Welcome to the Business of Beverages, Drinks Industry Insights with Makers, Marketeers and Mischief. Hello and welcome back to the Business of Beverages bi-weekly quiz starring William P. Keating, current champion, elect in the chair, <laughs> uh, and myself, Podrick Fox, where every two weeks or so, myself and Will take each other on in a battle of scale to see who can guess the beverage first. Will, how's it going? Great. I'm I'm actually thinking that that's probably the first time the words starring Will Keating has ever been used. And possibly the last times as well. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought I'd go for a bit more of a mastermind kind of a slow burner intro to this episode. Well, mastermind, we're not. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, Will, um, as always, I'm going to give you the choice if you would like to ask the questions first or answer the questions first. I'm going to ask the question this time. Okay. Uh, I'm hoping and expecting that, that we won't have a repeat of last week. No, I drew a blank. I'm very confident we won't. So, for five points, Foxy, the origin of this style of drink are lost in the mists of time, but it was almost certainly discovered by accident. That could literally be any drink on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, five pointers are never much good, apart from giving you like a random year, you know? Which would have been helpful here. Um, I am going to go with Belgian Lambic beer. Incorrect. Incorrect. Uh, I like your thinking. So for four points, with a typical strength of 9 to 14% ABV, the flavor of this drink is variously described as very malty, full-bodied, dark, and sometimes viscous. Is it a Doppelbock? It is not a Doppelbock, Foxy. It is not a Doppelbock. Um, but you are inching closer. <laughs> and when I say inching, I mean bounding. For three points, commercial examples are rare these days outside of Germany for reasons of cost and legality. Cost and legality? Uh, yeah, so the, the production method is extremely costly and also its legality is in question in various different countries around the world. It's not an icebox, is it? Congratulations! It <laughs> is indeed icebox. Uh, so what, yeah. what's, the, what's the legal issues around icebox? So for two points, the legality concerns the practice of freeze distillation, which can, can be considered dangerous and is illegal in many countries. Really? Yep. And oh, for one okay. point... Uh, the beer style originated in uh, Eindbeck in Germany, as represented by Klumbacher, uh, Schneiderweiss, uh, and Schorscherbrau, 13 and 31. So there are, uh, are various different strengths of Eisbach. But yeah, it is relatively unusual. And although there are US and Canadian versions, I'm pretty sure I've read articles that it is illegal in the US. I know freeze distillation is generally frowned upon. Um, what is the health and safety concern around freeze distillation? So, uh, obviously, when you're distilling, normally people think of distillation, and 99% of distillation is indeed where you're heating products and you're separating them on their boiling point. Freeze distillation is just the reverse, where you're chilling products down and you're separating based on their freezing points. So, alcohol will have a lower freezing point than water. So, if you take a large barrel of 
beer, which is already a Doppelbock or something similar. You leave it outside to freeze in the German winter. The top layer will freeze, but the top layer, the top two, three inches maybe will freeze, but that will just be the water that freezes and the product that's left will be higher in alcohol, higher in strength. The danger potentially is that if there's something like methanol or other toxins in there um, or glycols perhaps or something else, what you're doing is you're concentrating them as well. You're not evaporating them off. Whereas if you uh, distill using heat, methanol gets thrown off first. So you're able to discard that in your four shots or what have you. There you go. Wow, that's uh, had no idea. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, Brewdog have done an ice box or something similar. Uh, yes, they, they have. Yeah. In, in fact, we we discussed this recently. Um, yes, we did. Where yes. in, in a different form, uh, <laughs> but yes. So that's how our friends in Brewdog created Sink the Bismarck, Tactical Nuclear Penguin, mm-hmm. and the End of History. Their ever increasing um, high strength exactly. beers, which ultimately ended up at sort of well over forty percent plus uh, ABV, yeah. which. Uh, yeah, I would argue they're probably spirits at this point. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Well, there we go. Three points. I'll I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. I thought we'd be we'd be playing in in home territory for there with a with a <laughs> with a beer. Uh, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, I I I. Uh, well, no, I was I was just about to give it away here. <laughs> what was that? What I have for you? <laughs> um, uh, well, let's let's see. Let's see. We go. All right. Well, uh, so for five points. Uh, this beverage was first mentioned in 1876 by Mark Twain when writing to his wife, ever since I have been in London, I have taken in a wine class uh, what is called a, this, uh, uh, before breakfast, before dinner, and just before going to bed. I have taken it in a wine glass? Yes. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus too heavily on that yeah. part of it. All right, so he's, he's now drinking. He's in London, writing to his wife. Yep. And he's drinking it morning, noon, and night, literally. Before breakfast, before dinner, and just before going to bed. Uh, I'm going to go with porter. Uh, it's not porter, uh, which, of course, also would have been decent sustenance uh, before breakfast, before her dinner, and just before going to bed in London at the time. Um, but 1876, a very important year, because the recipe was first written down this year as well in the Bon Vivant's Companion, uh, but also managed to include a misspelling of one of the ingredients. Oh, we're some kind of early cocktail. I'm guessing has to be some kind of early cocktail. So a classic cocktail of you know very long standing, but not one of the kind of ones that came out of New York. Uh, I'm going to say an old fashioned. It is an old-fashioned. Hey, really? Yes, it is, yep. <laughs> so so to be fair, Mark Twain didn't actually call it an old-fashioned. He just referred to it as a cocktail, which was brand new vocabulary at the time. Yes. Uh, when the recipe was first written down, I, it, whatever way it was transcribed, it should have included Boker's bitters, but whoever wrote it down wrote Bogart's bitters, which did not exist. For three points, cocktail fell into obscurity in the 70s and 80s as the trend moved to more fun-loving and tiki-style cocktails. And mm-hmm. for two points, although it can be made with pretty much any spirit, the most popular base is bourbon or rye whiskey. Yeah. And what and was the one point, Joe? One point. It has absolutely exploded in popularity in the last 10 years or so as it was consumed uh, by Don Draper on the TV show Mad Men. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm delighted I kind of struck a little bit lucky there, um, but I'm thrilled to get the win. 
quite interesting on the wine glass it was used uh wine glass is mentioned in the recipe as well in the uh bon vivant companion but a wine glass apparently was a two ounce measure at the time rather than what we would consider a wine glass now although the cocktail was served in a red wine glass what i'm what i'm really curious about is the misspelling of the bitters mm. so what was the name of the bitters that was was written down that didn't exist bogarts so, so I'm B- thinking that there's a commercial opportunity. We should be rushing out and forming <laughs> Bogart's Bitters. We should. Um, and, but apparently Boker's Bitters was the one to go for. Um, most uh, bartenders now would probably submit the Angostura or uh, there's a number of really good Bitters brands, I think, available. Shards. Days. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Plenty of them out there. Yeah. Well, we recommend all the Bitters. <laughs> Don't be right, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, to me, actually, for change. <laughs> yes, yes, congratulations to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, well played. Four points, not to be sneezed at. All right, thanks, Foxy. Great game. Thanks, Will. Thank you for listening to The Business of Beverages. It's been our pleasure to bring you this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and recommend us to one other friend or colleague. As ever, we are independently produced and self-funded, so we appreciate your support in listening, sharing, or reviewing this podcast. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter, where we go by at BizBevPod. If you'd like to support us further, you can find us on buymeacoffee.com forward slash BizBevPod. Underberg. Underberg. That's mad. Google it there. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, just, I just did there. It's like the original Rheinberg Herbal Digestive. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I don't recognize it at all. Hey, you can get a 30-pack. <laughs>